This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Exiles end of season special part one, which hopefully you've already listened to, uh, saw us review what the 2021-2022 season was like for the county. And we'll come on next to talk about the retained and released list, which I think we've all had a chance to look through and to think about. I mean, there were two things that stuck out to me or two things that seem to have been commented on. The first is Ryan Haynes, which felt like the the only real borderline um, decision that we made in terms of who to release, and the other one was uh, was Podge, who I think most of us thought probably would be uh, off, but by all accounts, it wasn't necessarily done very well. It was like a twenty second phone call, apparently, um, while he was on the exit, getting on the exit uh, bus to celebrate promotion. If that's true, and we only have his side of the story, then um, that's a, a disappointing thing to hear about someone who has been a, a big part of the club for good number of years so I don't know who wants to lead us off talking about that I'll do Haynes's first I think he's a bit unlucky I quite liked him but no great loss that sounds really really harsh but I think Roby's had a good look at him and Lewis hasn't he and he's made his call that's his that's his job you know there's a there's a way you know he's got we've got to balance the wage bill haven't we and, and if letting him go allows him to bring in someone else not necessarily a left back but but somewhere else in the in the squad that he needs to bring in I, I don't have an issue with it he, He's been solid enough for us. He hasn't set the world on fire. He, he, he's been, he's been, he's been okay, hasn't he? But, but, and I wouldn't mind if he'd, you know, if he'd have said, "Well, I'm keeping Haynes and letting Lewis go," I wouldn't have worried about that too much about that either. I know Martin would have worried about that. But um, so he's made his call. He's got his left back. He might get another one in, or he might say, "I'm happy with what I've got there," and spend that money elsewhere. So I think that's okay. The Podge one. Um, it's funny when we talk about his departure because part of me was thinking, God, I wish we'd had him on the bench for the last few <laughs> last few games of the season. <laughs> Whereas at the start of the season, I was going, yeah, let him go. You know, don't I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I think that I I don't buy into this all this twenty second phone call lark. Mm. I think there's far more to that than, than meets the eye. You know, you might that twenty second call might have been ringing up to just say we need to have a chat. And he's going, oh, I'm just getting on our team bus. And he's going, all right, well, we'll, we'll, I'll speak to you later. You know what I mean? You know, and he, he's, he's broken that. Podge has broken that to Irish journalists before the retained list has even gone out. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's far more. I think Podge is playing that, to be honest with you. Um, so I don't, I don't buy into that, that he was being, he's been badly treated. From what I understand, he's, he's in his house, he's been up for sale in Newport. He's known he's going for ages. So, this conversations have gone on, aren't there? Do you know what I mean? He, he he absolutely knows the situation. So thank you for everything he's done. He's been brilliant. He's probably kept us uh, kept us financially viable as a club um, with everything he's done. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I but I and he's brilliant. He's an absolute legend for the club. But I I don't buy into all this like conspiracy theory around phone calls and stuff. Personally, two sides and we haven't heard them all. There's not that much room for sentiment in football, and yeah, he probably, like you say, he probably knew he was off anyway, and it's like it's it's not a big deal. I I personally don't see the point in having this outrage over the the phone call or anything like that. It's like ah, it's fine. He knew he was going. Let's just get on with it, and he can find a new club, and he can be happy. I completely agree with with you both there. I think the writing was on the wall in January, where before the January window even opened, um, Robbery said he's not recalling him, and I was thinking the same as you earlier, Ian, that. There was a few games where we could have just done with someone with, you know, Podge's kind of poacher's instinct. He scored 11 goals, didn't he? I think for, for Exeter, most of them coming off the bench. 
And at times when you looked at our bench, when we needed a goal, you think, who's going to come on and score here? Street could still be playing now and wouldn't have scored. Um, Aaron Collins was never going to get anything. Not Aaron, Aaron Collins. Collins might have, but Lewis. Yeah, the other one. Um, <laughs> I always do it. I always do it. And, and we got Aaron Lewis as well, just to confuse you even more. I know, I know. I'm getting too old. Um, completely agree that he's left us with some fantastic memories and he will go down as, you know, a legend, like you say. Um, those, uh, especially the cup moments that he's given us, are going to live long in the memory of of all the county fans. But also, I think, you know, football's a business, isn't it? And if there's not a place for him in the side, then he's going to have to be moved on. He's out of contract. Haynes as well. I was a little bit surprised. He made 103 appearances over his uh, three seasons. If he's on a lot of money and we think we can get better value, you know, we haven't got the biggest budget. So we either need to, we, we need to spend it better, basically. The money we've got, we need to spend it better than the other teams in order to compete. You quite surprised me there, Reese, with how many how many games he played, and I, I, I'd forget he's been here for three seasons. To be honest with you, so uh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, one of those years was a pandemic-induced year, there wasn't it? So he probably would have been ever present for all those three seasons if we'd finished them all. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think we have to spend our money wisely, and can we really afford to have, let's be honest, three starting fullbacks in our squad? Like, can we afford that? Probably not. Um, particularly when we need to find an entirely new midfield and, and strike force, probably, you know. Does anyone think that Telford and CBR will still be with us next season? Hand in the air if you think they might. Okay. I'd like to think CBR is. Okay. You know, it, show, show your workings. So it seemed like his career was on a downward trajectory. Was he at Barrow the season before? Didn't really play much. Um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of people queuing up for his services. And he's come in with a manager who seems to get him, which he might, I don't, I don't know him personally, but he seems to find a manager that gets his style of play and is getting the best out of him. If he's offered a two-year deal with a bit of security, he might go for it. Telford, I think there will either be more money within League Two or an opportunity in, in a higher division. Um, and that's just too good to turn down, isn't it, in a short career as a footballer? Yeah. It's hard with Telford because I'm not, 100% sure he's going to succeed the way he does at a club at a high level. I obviously hope he does. I think he's fantastic. And obviously yeah, we, we love him. We love him to stay. But like, I don't know the way that he excelled this year, he kind of suited our system because he, I mean, we talked about how he had CBR. So like, if you put him in a, you know, let's, yeah, league one side, maybe in the bottom half of the table and he's like trying to have to speed off scraps. Um, I don't know whether he'll do it. Didn't we say he scored like half of his career goals this year, this season? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't know whether he's just hit this purple patch and that'll be it, or he'll hit a purple patch and then carry on. Um, so it remains to be seen, to be honest. Someone will take a gamble on him. Yeah, that's what I think, though. Someone will take a gamble on him. And I think CBR, yeah, he just gets the club. I think the club get him. And he's great think... value on Twitter as well. And he's superb. Yeah. 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 Love him. Where, where's his? Where's he actually from? Do you know in terms of his? Because I know obviously I know. he was at Swansea, wasn't he, for a while? Because I know Telford's from the area. So you know, a northerner, isn't he? Some, like he's from like Blackpool or Burnley or something like that, isn't he? Originally, uh, Corny Baker Richardson, born in Coventry. I don't know whether okay he grew up there or not, but that's where yeah, he's born. If you look at it, most of his most of his career has been spent around the Midlands: Coventry, Nuneaton, Redditch, Kettering, Le- uh, Leamington. So. Mm. Yeah, and then since then he's done Swansea, Aki Stanley, Barrow, Barnet, Newport. So he's he's, he's certainly yeah. done some miles. Yeah, I mean, I I think we got a chance. I definitely think we got a chance of of him staying. Mm. I totally agree what Reese is saying there. There'll probably be offers for him, but I think you know, I think we I think we would be in the market to compete for him um, if we wanted to, and if everybody wants him to wants wants him to. I'm sure a really good offer has been made at Telford, but I think obviously an opportunity is going to come, isn't it, his yeah. way. And I think Jamie's right that, you know, it it could be a team higher up, but equally you can imagine a Salford, for example, looking at it and thinking, hey, this lad scores for fun in this division. Let's see if we can throw some bags of cash at him and uh, and bring him in. League two is very much like one man's trash is another man's treasure, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you just look at um, Cameron Norman, you know, released by um, Walsall and then, yeah, come to us and done brilliantly. If you get the right player in the right system, with the right manager in this league, you know, it's all about fit, I think. Mm, so totally. there's always those players who are available on freeze or for minimum fees or on loan. 
who just fit our system like CBR did. You know, nobody, there was no one queuing up for Telford this time last year. Couldn't even get on the bench. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, if, and then we changed the system, we changed who he was playing with, and all of a sudden he's a 25 goal a season striker. Well, he, I'm, so he, wasn't I'm, playing at the, he wasn't even playing at the start of the season. First yeah, few games yeah. I saw, he wasn't. He no, wasn't, he wasn't in with this. No, so I think it's all about fit. And I went on a bit of a rant in in our WhatsApp group the other night at about midnight because I got a bee in my bonnet about all the people saying we're probably going to be in a relegation battle next year with the players we've lost. We lost five of our starting eleven that played at Wembley last year coming into this season. Bearing in mind, two of those were our probably two most influential players in Sheehan and Labadee, yeah. and we replaced them. Yeah, so yeah. we, it's the same every year. We. It's just the nature of League Two. There's always a high turnover of players and we need to spend the money wisely, but you need to, you know, I don't think losing these lone players and, the, you know, if Telford goes, there's there's plenty of players looking for an opportunity at this level. I don't want to give Forest Green praise, but I'm going to, because but I don't think they bought a player, right? So I think every player, pretty much they had, came in on a free. Now, Massive they, wages. Yeah, big wages, but, you know, but... There is. It does sort of show, though, that you know there are there are plenty of players out there that totally agree with you. If you get the right fit, and I'll, I'll you know come on to this point probably later later on, we'll talk about who do you want to sign because fit is the key. Well, let's let's run with that a bit because the player I was going to ask about next was Josh Pask, who has been released by Coventry, um, and I think you know we we've expressed an interest in him already. There seems to be. Uh, it seems to divide opinion that there's either people who say yes, hundred percent, bring him in, or people who say, oh, not sure because of his injury record. So uh, I'm I'm in the the first camp. I I would definitely sign him. I think all right, there's an injury risk, but there's always a risk with everyone at this level. You know, if they were perfect players who were in peak physical condition, they wouldn't be playing in the fourth division. I think Pask, all right, he comes with an injury doubt, but in terms of a player who you could see progressing and being worth something in a few years' time and fitting well in the system, like that's exactly the sort of player I'd want to see us bring in. So that's my hypothesis. Who's going to knock it down? I'll knock it down. Go on. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a ray of sunshine, Ian. When I, I, I'm, on, I'm really on the fence with Pask. The, the, the deal's got, if the deal is right for us, I would take the risk, but I genuinely actually think it is a risk now. Whereas when we when I first saw him play for us, I thought, oh, this this guy looks great, you know. Um, I think I was chatting to to Reese at the Rochdale game, he, and, and Reese made a very valid point actually that he did he looked quite quick when I first saw him play. His pace doesn't seem to be there, but is that obviously because he's just coming back for injury? You know, is he not quite match fit? Because we do need more pace at the back. That's something we do need to fill. I'm I am worried about his injury record. You know, he, he doesn't play very often, and we can't afford to stick a wage on someone who ain't going to play. He, um, yeah, he had that freak injury, didn't he? That knee injury that they never really explained what it was, but he injured his knee. Well, he played his first one or two games, looked great, injured his knee, missed a game, played through it for a game and looked uncomfortable, then was out for a few games. And then he came back and never looked quite himself. But I think if you look at what we were crying out for in January, which was pace in the back line and you know a defender who is comfortable on the ball that's exactly what he is and you know we were praising his reading of the game and he did it a little bit against Rochdale where he just read read the play and stepped in um I think if he's fit then he really suits the way we want to play and you can afford to take a risk with one or two players with a checkered injury injury history like we had Labadee you had a bit of a checkered record, but if you've got one Labadee in the side, that's okay. You can handle one. It's if you have a team full of sick notes. I mean, we are I also think... due some luck with centre-backs, right? Because we had Long King with his freak bollocks injury that put him out for ages. We've had Farquhar Harquison, who didn't play for pretty much the entire season. And then we bring Paskin, who also then got crocked for a bit. Also, like we are due a bit of luck. We had O'Brien retire yeah, yeah, yeah. with a heart problem. The season Fraser before, Franks. we had Fraser, yes, Fraser Franks. Franks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, season, be yeah. Don't be advertising this. No centre-back will ever sign for us. <laughs> yeah, I think with the Pask thing, it's dependent on... Like you look at the other players we've got already signed on for next season. Obviously, Mickey's you know, still there. We've, we've got that option on Clark. Um, 
Priestley's, you know, sticking around, isn't he? Um, and then of course, you know, if we if we wanted to play Dolan or yeah, whoever at the back, I don't know. I just don't know how much depth we're going to want mm. at centre back. Um, I mean, maybe maybe we do need another centre half. I don't know. Um, it'd be great. I I personally, I think it'd be great if we could sign him. Um, I think it'd be really unlucky on someone like Priestley as well because. But like I say, both him and Pascal are injured. Both of them, I feel, to excel at this level, will need a run of games being the starting centre-half. And I'm just not sure if you have both of them that they're going to do that. And I don't know, maybe we'll try and ship one on if we bring in Pascal. Equally, I'd be sad to see it happen for a lot of reasons, but I could see the logic of it that it wouldn't surprise me if an agreement was reached with Dolan that maybe um, his contract could, would get cancelled if, if he can find somewhere else to go. Not because he is a bad player because I don't think he is. I think he's very versatile, but I can, I can see that maybe he's not someone who fits in that Robry system. And if you've got Bennett who can play midfield and cover for you in, uh, in defense that, you know, maybe you go, well, thanks very much for everything, Matty, but you know, it's, it's time to move on. I think he'd go with all of our thanks, but I could see why maybe you, you'd now say, thanks for everything. See ya. If, if it's in everyone's interest and if he finds a club. So I, that's one I would keep half an eye on. I yeah, think got a You reckon? Yeah, I think I mean, a deal will be yeah, done. He's a long way from home, isn't he? Yeah, I think a deal will be done, and I, I'll be really, I'll be really sad to see him go because he is one of my favorite players that's pulled yeah. on the amber. So, but, but, but I, I, you know, if he wants to go back up north, I think that's where his family are. Go back to, um, and we can do an amicable deal. Yeah, for that I think we should for him as well, as I said, you know, because he's been a great servant to us. Yeah. Um, if he does go, I, and if Martin listens to this, I want Martin to to put one of his little special things together, which does his little his lovely little rollovers, all his like fabulous little passes, yeah. and some absolutely great goals he scored for us because he scored some. He made me laugh goals. in in the Rochdale game though that he couldn't <laughs> make a pass without doing a foot roll over the top. Brilliant, of the ball. Every brilliant. Pass that he made, little foot roll, slow the play brilliant. down. He's already brilliant. stationary. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think if we can get, I think if we, I think if the numbers work, I would sign Pask. But it does worry. His injury stuff worries me. He's the type of player we want. If we don't sign yeah. Pask, we want a Pask-like player. I think to provide some pace in that backline. Yeah, I'm going to come to you next, Reese, because um, we've signed a load of scholars and we've given out a load of pro contracts. Um, and I believe you were saying just before we hit record that you're across all of them and you're now going to furnish us with details of all of the players who we've signed and uh, a little bit of their potted history and what they did their GCSEs. Uh, no, so. I'm absolutely not. We, um, we've signed some scholars <laughs> today, um, but I, I'm using my phone to record this, so I haven't been able to look up Twitter just to check who the names are. We have signed um, Ovendale, Caradogan and Bright. Bright looked yeah. quite, I don't want to say bright when he came on, but he, he looked up for it. Certainly yeah. when he, when he came on against Rochdale, one shine away from a tackle got stuck in. He looks quick. Um, so I think he, he stands a chance of being in and around the squad next season as, you know, a bit of depth. And we've got uh, Twomley and Woody Wiss. And this surely coming. has to be their kind of breakthrough year for those two. Now this is kind of shit or get off the pot time for them. Um, yeah. You, you'd think so. Um, you know, there's still only, well, they're still only 18, 19, aren't they? So we may loan them out again. Um, I don't know, because they both went to clubs in the Southern Prem last season, didn't they? And I sort of think, well, if you're going to try and make the case that you can make it as a professional footballer, then this is a season when you've got to burst through and, and take your chance when it comes to you. You know, I dare say they'll they'll be in the spot fan trophy games and they've got to make their mark if they if they want to come through i mean i've heard an awful lot of good things about both of them i'd love to see them given a chance but they've also then got to grab that chance with both hands do you know who i think it is last chance saloon for and we've talked about it before i don't think we've talked about it on the pod but i think this is lewis collins yeah last last chance to prove that he's cut out for this level i don't think he's kicked on quite in the way we wanted i think at youth level he was a winger and we just don't play with wingers so he's been asked to do and develop in a position that's unnatural to him. But at times, it, it looks unnatural to him. Mm. And I don't think he's... In some of those games where we needed someone to score a goal and you brought Lewis Collins on, you just thought, he's not it. Don't get me wrong, I really want him to do well. I always want to see young players breaking through into the first team. But he's, what, 21, 22 now? Yeah. Yeah, this is really key, I think, for his future, certainly at our club, um, you know, key season for him to show what he's got 
But if you want to look on it positively, you know, with him, with family, with Willie Wiss, that's some good depth to the squad. There may not be players who are going to play 20 games a season, but they're players who might make 10 appearances and they might be decisive appearances if they do grab their chance. So, um, I mean, yeah, Livermore, we talked about in a, a previous pod, is is on his way. Whether he'll go on and make it as a pro or not, we don't know. But, you know, there's another one who got his chance, grabbed it with both hands, who knows what else went on around it. But um, but you've got to make that impact. You've got to be the player who everyone walks away from the ground going, blimey, they, there's a prospect. And it's and promising I, that the manager wants that as well. He wants to bring youngsters through to the first team. And he said as much. And I know a few of them have been training with the first team as well. Yeah, and I, I, think, that's a, I think there's a slight difference here in terms of... Um, I'm hoping that Robey, because of his all the work he's done with young players across his career, is maybe a better judge of player at that stage of their development than potentially Flynn was in terms of being able to say, right, this I think person X has got it, could make it, person Y might not, you know. Um, so I'm hoping that, 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 you know, some of the players that we brought into our um, development squad, I'm still not quite sure what that is, but... Um, Last year, who who sort of sank without a trace. I'm hoping we, with Robrian, and we'll we'll will be better in terms of that 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 B team or whatever that is that links into the first team. So some of these some of these players cut, that we're signing, I'm hoping that that that, that Roby's got the judge there. And you, what what I would expect to see is people like Cardogan or Cardigan, however his name is pronounced, and and Bright. They're going to be around that first team, aren't they? They're going to have a chance. And then maybe by Christmas, if they haven't broke through, then you'd put them out on loan. I I, th- I see it being that because we had this sort of development team last season, but Robbery, as soon as he got the opportunity, shipped those players out on loan and said, right, here's your... I, I think it'll be the same next year. They will get their chances in Spotify trophy games, maybe a few other kind of peripheral opportunities. But, you know, if they've not kind of made that impact, then come November, December, then they'll be they'll be sent off. I don't really see... I, the development squad seems quite a euphemism to me. I think it's, you know, you'll be training with the, the first team. You might get the odd behind-closed-doors match against other people, but, you know, really, you've got to take those those opportunities. It's pre-season where they need to, to really yeah. take the you know, opportunity because this is the time when, you know, the, the, the manager will experiment. This is the time where they'll be able to get 90 minutes or 45 minutes and they can really show what they've done or the, what they're capable of. And if they can show... Trialist Dundee. Yep. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of time. We're only, we're only a month and a half away from uh, the uh, Undie trialist match, aren't we? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, who who will be the equivalent now that Flynn's no longer in charge? We'll, uh, we'll have to see. Mm. Um, one player who we can expect to be in some of those pre-season friendlies is Sam Bowen, who uh, signed this week uh, from Cardiff City midfield. Has he actually signed? Uh, yes. Yes, he has. He He's going to sign when the window opens yeah. on the 1st uh, of July. Um, okay. And for those who don't know who he is, uh, he's been on the, the youth books at Cardiff City. He had a spell at Barrytown. But of greatest interest to us, he is the son of Jason Bowen, which makes me feel about 108. Um, because uh, I think I've said on this pod before, Jason Bowen was uh, the player who kind of coaxed me into being a Newport fan. Um, and the idea that his son is now old enough to be playing, um, I just find terrifying. So uh, Sam Bowen was born in January 2001. Um, and yeah, has has now come in. So um, seems to come with a good pedigree, obviously, and um, be interesting to see if where he fits in that midfield next season around um, Wait and Wilmot, who are the so you know already you're starting to see potentially midfield emerging of um, some tricksy, skillful players uh, of the three just mentioned, and then with Bennett sort of at the at the base of them. Is that kind of what we're expecting? Yeah, you know, he's, I don't know much about him. Um, I probably should have spoken to the Cardiff City fans I know. Um, but he's he's played for Wales all the way through the age grade levels. And um, last season he was at Barry. And then this season he made a handful of appearances in the championship. Um, so, you know, he seems, he's still only 21. He seems that kind of player that, um, that Robry likes. Hopefully he doesn't just keep signing next. Cardiff players and we became Cardiff reserves. If they're good enough, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I know we had on the show notes about are we building a midfield around um, Wilmot and Waite? I think we need to build a midfield unit. That's what this season showed is that, you know, 46 games is a long 
long season plus all the cup games. So you're probably more like 50, 55, 60, including preseason. So you need a unit of midfielders you can turn to at different points in the season. So I think that's what we need to build rather than kind of building around a couple of players, unless you've got a special talent like a Josh Sheehan or a Finn Azaz or Ali Cooper to build around. You need, you know, functional midfielders that are nicely complementary. As we continue to build the squad over the weeks ahead, what's the one area that each of you most want to see covered? Go on, Jamie, you've been quiet for a bit. Yeah, we we need some strikers. <laughs> we, we, we need some goals. Um, I think with the likely departure of Dom Telford, yeah, we need something. Um, I just kind of hope that I think in previous seasons under Flynn, he loved getting a striker in, didn't he? I mean, I think we usually started the season with about 10 before we whittled him down to the four or five he actually liked. Um, but it was always a striker. It was never a winger or an attacking midfielder. So, yeah, I think I want a striker, but the right kind of striker or the striker that Robri wants. Um, and, yeah, again, easier said than done. But I think quality over quantity for me, rather than just sort of loading the squad full of um players who just aren't good enough basically Flynn always signed one winger didn't he for a system that didn't have any wingers he'd always sign one your Otis Khans and just not play them I mean definitely strike is the position where if there's one position where you want us to get our first choice player it's striker and if we have to compromise in a few others then I guess so be it what do you think Ian yeah, I, I, I'm going to say something now. It's probably not going to go down well on the pod. I've got, I pay almost no attention to who we sign over the summer. Right, <laughs> I, I, I never, I never have done. So even going back to the old days before pre-internet, when you just had, the, you just had your Argus, you know, I, I just don't pay any attention to it because it doesn't really matter who we sign. And I'm going back to the point that Reese says earlier: it's the fit that's the absolute key. And there's so many other factors that come into play. You know, can they settle down here? Can they share a house with, you know? Priestley Ferguson or whatever. Do you know what I mean? What 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 are their characters like? You can't. We just don't know about that, do we? We don't know about any of that stuff. And there's been so many players over the years that come with a bit of a rep. Christian Missalou, you know, yeah. you know, played played the season in League One. Season before, he's going to be you know taken over from Josh Labadee, sank without a trace for whatever reason, no idea, right? And and vice versa, there'll be people that we've never, I've never heard of them because don't pay any attention, but. Uh, you know, who suddenly you think, wow, they're great. You know, Tom Telford be one for me. Well, barely. Yeah, that's what I was about know. to say is that the, the, the players who we've already got on the books who, yeah. like maybe Lewis Collins will be next season's Tom Telford. You know, so so for me, that that it's only when you, and, and going back to that Oldham game, we were talking about, you know, Upson and all these players that were, were lining up. The team looked wildly different about, you know, a few weeks after that. So you, you've got all these players that come in. You, you know, you're looking down the team sheet saying, who are they? Until you see him pull the shirt on and play, you just don't know, do you? It's just such a gamble, I think, at this level. I do think we... I don't like the only encouragement. I do think we need a little bit of steel through the core of the team. Um, you know, Clark can do a bit of wrestling at the back, can't he? And, and, but there were times towards the end of that season where people running through our midfield a bit easy for me. And there were times when we're going to have to... I think when teams come to play with us, we're all right. <laughs> because we, 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 we can yeah. exploit their gaps. I think where teams are going, do you know what, we're going to set up to stop you playing, then we have a bit of a struggle. Yeah, I um, and I think we have to find a plan B there to that way of playing. So but, I would like, uh, yeah, a bit of pace, a bit of strength, a bit of fizz. That's what I want. I, I agree with that, but I think it's that's as much about systems as it is about personnel. I think we had probably the players to have competed with some of those more physical teams, like your Crawleys, your Colchesters, your Hartlepools. I think the problem was that we were perhaps too rigid in the the system that we were trying to play and we stuck with it when it wasn't working. So I think that's as much on the manager as it is on the the players that he's got at his disposal. I can't believe Ed Upson was this season. That feels like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Yes, we are going to move on to some questions and comments from listeners. So I think I've got, what's that? One, two, three, four, five bunches of questions that we had through covering a range of different things. So... The first one was from Paul Warren, who um, was saying, and this was a while back, but I've, we haven't got around to talking about it. Um, but he said Brentford have returned to keeping their home shirt for two seasons um, rather than changing every year. In the current cost of living crisis, should county and indeed all clubs do the same for replica shirts? Um, also, Brentford are moving to a more environmentally sound cotton shirt rather than polyester. So 
Reese, he's your dad, so <laughs> you can be first to answer. What do you think? Yeah, obviously, from a fan's point of view, having a new shirt every two years is is nice. Um, it's I think it's something that we'd all all appreciate. But then that comes with restrictions on the club regarding what sponsorship they have. Um, does it? I don't. I don't know how much money we reasonably make off shirt sales. It's not like we're, you know, Real Madrid. Um, but how much of an impact on our finances will it have to, you know, to restrict us to changing it every two years? Um, how does that affect our deals with manufacturers, our deals with sponsors? If we're tied into at least, or tied into a deal that's a multiple of two, then, yeah. you know, we may be getting less favourable deals because. Um, we don't have room to negotiate. Um, but from a fan point of view, that's great. As long as it doesn't affect the product on the pitch, having the same kit for two seasons in a row is great. Um, and in terms of the sustainability, I think, again, it's another good good string to the bow and fair play to teams like Forest Green. I think their kit's made of bamboo this year, isn't it? Or something like that. Um, so, you know, that sustainability piece, especially when it's a new shirt every year, that how many of them end up in a landfill after however many years, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think all of those would be positive changes, but they can't be taken in isolation. They, they'll have impacts on the club. I mean, also, yeah, yeah. it's all very well talking about trying to have a, a shirt deal that lasts for two years. How long did we have our third shirt this year? The uh, the Burberry knockoff? Two days, was it? wasn't it? About 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. As long as it took Burberry's lawyers to get in touch with us. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, Jamie. We could we could try that trick every year though because we've got a lot of publicity. We've probably got more publicity out of that than we did for launching this. Well, and for the people who did manage to buy one, they're now sitting on a gold mine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our Louis Vuitton away kit next season. Um, I'm sure we can muster something up. Uh, but yeah, I think you're totally right. I think yeah, in an ideal world, every two years, easier on the fans, um, you know, pockets, and uh, easier on the on the environment as well. But you know, we we have to. You know, we have to find that that shirt money from somewhere. We, yeah, we sell a lot of we sell a lot of merch this year, a lot of kit this year. I feel, or I feel like maybe I've just bought more of it. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I think this year was a great year. You know, the Hummel stuff was really nice. Yeah. I thought the kind of green effect tracksuit stuff all looked really, really class. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the the battle, isn't it? You know, for years on end you could buy anything with the Newport County crest on it, but it looked awful. Whereas now mm. this season, it's good it's stuff. Tidy. I hope we keep Hummel. I don't know if we are doing, but I hope, I hope we do. Is it two years we've had them now? Yeah. The sure. only slip up they've made was with last season's third kit that was straight oh, from yeah. a catalog. Yeah. That was horrible. Is that the red one? Yeah. 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 It was grim. That's, that's the first question out of the way. The next one was from Michael Buttress who said, what was the reason that we collapsed into relegation form? Uh, I can already see, Jamie sharpening his his pencil in anger. Um, why wasn't Robbery able to rally them? Where do we need to strengthen, and what are the prospects for next year? So you can choose some or any of those, uh, Jamie. But, yeah, um, it's form? an interesting. It's an interesting one. Um, so uh, for those of you who um, heard me witter on to Rob Phillips on BBC Radio Wales after the Rochdale game, um, they asked the same question, and I really found it hard to answer. I was they were saying, "Oh, yeah, you must be so disappointed with the end of the end of the season." I said. Yeah, but we, it was been so fun to watch. It's been superb football, probably the best football we've seen at Rodney Parade, and and they've they've given us a bit of energy back. Um, what's interesting, I was looking at this earlier on in in the in the episode in the pod. Um, we had that spell from I think January through to to March, where I think we won eight out of eight out of thirteen. We only lost twice. We lost twice in thirteen games. We won eight and drew three, and it was like. Yeah, that was when we sort of went through that horrible patch of like, I think we had five homes in a row or something. Um, and yeah, it looked fantastic. And then we just fell away. I I don't think it's the pressure that got to them because I think the pressure would have got to them then. Those are the pressure games because if we say we had a mediocre run of form in February, we wouldn't be in with a shot at the playoffs anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Those are the pressure games. You won the pressure games. But it's just hard to sustain a pressure game environment over half a season. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the key issues were the injuries. We had a patchwork bit of um, defence and midfield at the time um, and CBR as well. Um, 
yeah, unfortunately sort of missing. And unfortunately, the likes of, um, like we've said before, Fisher and we haven't even mentioned Fisher, but Fisher and Street were the alternatives up top. Yeah, having to shift Norman to centre half for a little bit. Um, yeah, without Wilmot, without without the base of the midfield, but also half of the fizzy bits of the midfield as well. So it really was a patchwork um, eleven for for much of the towards the end of the season. I think that's where we had this. It's so hard to sort of you know, you know muster up the the energy and the, and the uh, the passion and the you know, whatever Robri needs to do to sort of get his side winning. Um, you can only push him so much over the winning line. Um, and yeah, I don't want to give it, uh, you know, put any, anything down on Robri because I don't think he necessarily did anything wrong. I think the only thing I would say he did wrong was uh, when we were watching him at Sun when I was sat next to Mr. Ian Street and uh, he just didn't want to make a change. I think we were, we were all over him, but he was crying out for a little bit of something on the bench. We didn't know what, but he, he waited until about 10 minutes to go. But then in other games, he's, he's made early changes. So I don't want to sort of put him down for one one game there. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know what happened with the relegation form. We just fell off a cliff. I think we literally ran out of energy and it's just so hard to sort of bring those uh, those legs sort of pumping down the, the wing or something Um yeah, when you've been playing 40-odd games already at such a sort of great uh, intensity. I think there was a combination of running out of steam. I think there was a combination of injuries. I think there was a possible combination of inflexibility of, of formation at times. The other issue that that, that sides who were not going to play particularly good football were ap- found a way to block us. Um, and we found that we found those sides much harder than the teams that wanted to play. But I didn't see any signs. So I think that the question was saying, why wasn't he able to rally them? I didn't see I didn't see any game this season that Robri was in charge of where the players weren't giving everything. You, I, you know, so I, you know, if I go back to that Salford nightmare, I don't know what was going on there when when Flynn was in charge. That that you know, I think it was like the next game after that, maybe with Barrow away and he'd gone or something like that. But you could see something wasn't going right there. But but when Roby was in charge, every game that I've seen, we, the effort has been there. You know, the, you can see what he's trying to do. You can see what he's trying to do in terms of his formation. You can see what he's trying to do to get out of his players. And for the vast majority of the season, in his time, they responded to that. I just think we ran out of, we did that combination of run out of legs, um, injury problems. I think he learned, I think when he watches all these games back, I think his ability to think about well how he might change tactically is something that he would look at. But also some sides some sides susters out of it. Next set of questions is from uh, Nicola Johns of photography and camera fame. Um, Nicola sent loads of questions, but the two I'm gonna go with are who is gonna replace the legend Tim Throves on the Tannoy? Uh, and also, does Ian Street own the best guns in the 1912 XLs team? So uh, Nicola got a great picture of uh, Ian at which ground was it, Ian? Bradford. Bradford. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with your with your guns out, um, putting on your suntan lotion in in the sunshine. Uh, so yeah, uh, who will replace Thravesy? And does Ian have the best guns out of the 1912 XLs? I mean, it's certainly better than mine. I've got twiglity arms. So yeah. <laughs> well, it's not going to be me. That was just a ridiculous. She's just. Imagine. Captured this ridiculous photograph that's been floating around the Rosehead WhatsApp group, which I've got I've got a bit of a nickname because of it, and I can't believe she stuck it out on Twitter as well. It's an absolute outrage. Um, so yeah, just a bit of a, just a bit of a giggle that one. Um, I think we should say thanks to Tim though, shouldn't we? On yeah, on, yeah, yeah, quickly on yeah, from absolutely. the uh, pasty faced and uh, skinny arms to uh, you know everything that Tim's done, and it was a, you know good. It was good send off on. Oh, for the Rochdale game, wasn't it? But I mean, what a servant that he's been yeah. to the club. You know, it's been absolutely astonishing. And um, that's a really tough, you know, talking about how, how do we place, how do we replace Telford? But, you know, how do you yeah. replace someone like someone like Tim Thraves and, and his, his mucker next to him, um, whose name just gave me a Glenn, Glenn, Glenn has been doing yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, both, both, of whom, both of whom stepped down, you know, that, that, what servants they've been to the club. And it, I, I think I'm sure we'll all, we'd all, you know, want to thank them and, 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 uh, Express those thanks to them, and I, I don't know. He's, he's basically the voice of Newport County, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know if anyone else ever watches back the uh, Wrexham playoff final, but like Tim's commentary on that is is fantastic. It's so good, think, isn't it? You know, moments like that with kind of Tim commentating over them is, is one of the many things that that just scream Newport County to me. 
yeah and if uh, so yeah thank you tim and, and thank you to glenn as well and yeah if we're on the subject of bona fide county legends then uh nicola who sent the questions in i think we should also say you've got some great snaps of the county along the season including ian's and arms ian. and including uh, you've got a lovely one of me and my boy at, at swindon away as well so um yeah keep doing what you're doing because uh yeah yeah we all appreciate it right next question was from paul uh, a different paul on twitter who asked why did Telford start and stop scoring? And did other teams work us out, leading to the downturn in results? So, Reese, I'm going to come to you for this. Yeah, so I think we've already kind of covered this a little bit, that I think teams worked us out a little bit. Telford started receiving a lot more attention, um, where in some games there was just a centre-half following him around everywhere he went. And they knew he was looking to turn onto that left foot and they knew he would look to shift it and strike quickly. So they just stuck to him like glue. Um, and like we said, CBR um, going down injured. It's no no coincidence that his, his scoring rate dropped when CBR went out injured. Um, so I think it was a combination of those really that he started scoring probably because he struck up that great partnership and uh, just got a bit of confidence in. And, you know, he, he rightly earned his place in the side and strikers are funny creatures, aren't they? Once they score, sometimes they just keep scoring once they've got that first one. Once you can block that a bit of that service, then we start knocking longer balls, and then that he's never going to win anything in the air. He's not, you know, he can hold the ball up, but not in the not, you know, not in the way that that, that he's not going to score and back the goal and all that sort of stuff. So, I think teams were saying as much as anything, stop the ball, you know, stop mm-hmm. that supply line. And then when we had the issue where we both had, you know, as as and Kane and Cooper out that took out that supply line to a large extent because a lot of they could move and, you know, both Cooper and Nazaz were very good at taking the ball and rolling forward with it. So as soon as they had that ball, they moved forward with it and that, that drew players to them and allowed the sort of the sort of ball down the channel into him or, you know, play a one-two off, off CBR. And I think that the teams really concentrated on trying to stop that supply line in. And, and that, for me, that was one of the key reasons why, he stopped scoring, and, and 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 as you said, you know it, why he started scoring because the supply line was better. Last question is from Andrew Morrison on Facebook, um, who asked what. Well, we sort of talked about this a bit about what we consider to be the lessons uh, Rogue will have learned over the last five home games. Um, but he goes on to say we were most effective during the season when we were on the front foot with our fizzy midfielders. So how fizzy do we need to be next season, Jamie? This is an interesting one because. The fizzy midfielders were signed by Michael Flynn. Yeah. Um, and obviously Robery got the best out of them and he did superb job. And you know, we've all sort of waxed lyrical about how well they played together and how well they play part of the team. But they're not a Robery signing. So I I mean we assume that Roby will want another three uh to replace them, but we just don't know. Um so well, I think we're gonna kind of have to wait and see what he wants. Maybe there'll be a bit more of a, a blend of fizz and and, and steel. The thing we, the man we're not mentioning in that, of course, is Darren Kelly, who, you know, yeah, we talk about yeah. Flynn signings, but that's what Kelly was brought in to do was to uh, help to oversee signings and particularly to bring in, yeah, some of those sort of promising young players on on loan. So hopefully that's where we will have consistency from last season, this season, and he can work his magic again. You know, we're talking about it as a as a rugby team, and yet you know the only two players that rugby signed was Pask, who's been injured and. Way to, I think he actually probably signed for next season, but had to end up shoehorning in this year more than he probably ideally wanted to. So I think, I think, you know, and obviously Wait looks like he is a fizzy, so we're always we're, we're sort of assuming he's going to carry on down down that road. But I think that is a really really good point about you know what what and, and having said earlier that I'm not interested in who we who we sign this season, but the, the the thing that is interested is what what sort of team can Robry and Kelly between them build, you know, and it won't just be this summer, it'll be this, you know, a couple of windows, but that, that I think is going to be interesting. And how is he going to blend that with, you know, we've got a few, haven't we, that are, and I like the fact that we've got a, an experienced core, but there's going to be a challenge if Robry stays around about how you replace Dolan, you know, Mickey, Scott Bennett, Clark, you've got a few there have got, great chunk of experience as players and we need that and I don't just want us to sign 21 year olds I think we do need you know some 27 28 year olds in there as well 
um, and then you've got a real balance, haven't you? Right. This has been a marathon episode. I don't think we've ever done a record that's gone on as long as this. So we are going to come to shout outs or beefs. So who wants to go first? Ian, you've usually got a, a beef along the way. Yeah, well, I guess without trying to be too sycophantic, then I, I need to give a shout out to you guys who, who run the pod and have let me uh, let me loose this year, rambling rambling around on trains in the north and going to going to grounds and talking about art and architecture and occasionally football. So that that's been great. So I've enjoyed it, and uh, you know we'll see what happens next year. But shout out for that. I think the other shout out for me is I'm going to give a shout out to Robry. You know, kind of he's had some flack recently, but you know we, we didn't talk about who our best signings have been, but he's been our best signing for me because. He, you know, we have played just, you know, at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry, isn't it? I, 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 we all, you know, for those of us lucky, lucky to have jobs and all the rest of it, we work during the week, you know, we have, we've got families and all, all of those things that we've, we've all got to grapple with. It's, it's a bit of escapism and a bit of, it's a bit of entertainment. And um, much as I've spent many years tracing them down the country, watching us lose one nil in the wet, it's quite nice this season to have been gone. You know, we we have played some front foot football, and it's been absolutely great to great to watch. So that's that's a shout out, and and linked to that, I guess, is you know I'm going to give a shout out to the board. I think they handled the Flynn situation really well that we talked about earlier. The the Hatswell sort of um, handover period, and then getting getting Robry in. I'm really excited about what he what he's going to do for this club. Could all end up going down in flames, but I'm really excited. So they're, they're my shout outs for the for the time being. Ian has got his positivity pants on for sure. Jamie. Yeah, I think I'd give a shout out to the crowds, actually. I think we've mentioned it a few times. We were getting like 5,000 plus. Um, I was trying to find the average like attendance we've got. I think, um, and this could be horribly inaccurate because I found it on, uh, well, it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> but it's, I, I think we're on 4.3 as an average, 4,300 for an average for the season. And the last like proper full season we had, let's say 2018, 2019, 3,400 was the average in the league, which is like, yeah, we've improved by 900 um, over the course of a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, that is testament to what the club are doing around the community as well. Um, and, and just getting that next generation of fans in and probably as well, the fact that we've been playing some superb football. So, um, yeah, shout out to... to um, I don't know who I'm shouting out to, but just to everyone, everyone basically for making yeah. <laughs> making it just sort of like a fun experience basically to go to. Oh, it's hard to top those, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's great to see the interest so high. That's that's really good, and that I can't remember the interest around the club being this high for for a long time. To be fair, or ever possibly, it is a running joke that every time we have a massive crowd on a bank holiday or something, we lose. Hmm. Um, we find a way to cock it up. But that's by the by. Um, it's great that we're getting those big attendances. Um, I'd like to follow up what Ian said as well, that we turned a profit again in the last financial year, given that it was a pandemic year and we literally had zero fans apart yeah. from the playoff semi-final. We turned a profit. So again, great work from the board being, uh, you know, exactly what we want. We're, we've got a brand of football on the pitch that's entertaining now. Um, we're competing, you know, uh, last season we were in the playoffs. This season we were in the mix for most of the season, and um, and we're sustainable, which is what more can you ask for? And again, just echoing what Ian said, I think this is our busiest season for podcasts. I think you put that we've done thirty three episodes. I don't think we've ever done that many before. No way near. And no. a lot of that is uh, thanks to the efforts of you guys because you've just been carrying me for most of the year and getting getting your pieces into Alt Wales, and you know Ian's been doing his bit on the road, which we haven't had before which has been great so yeah awesome stuff my one it's not a beef it's just a request next season can we separate the food queue in the bisley from the teas and coffees it's just annoying to be in the same queue as all the people who want chips yeah just for a cup of tea and you end up with one massive queue whereas you could have two smaller queues and you wouldn't have to leave 10 minutes before half time and get back to your seat after half time um go on ian what's your your beef well, one is one is about playing style now, right? So I, one of my pieces is going to be set pieces. When was the last time we scored from set piece? It, it, I think we've become really poor at them. And, and like when we, we and Reese were commenting at the Rochdale game, every corner was exactly the same. You know, we used to have a bit uh, of creativity, didn't we? When Hatswell, yeah. our first corner was normally something off the training ground, and I don't think we see that so much now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'd like that's a beef. I'd like to see. I'd like to see that change. A bit more variety going in there. 
my other beef is I spend most of my time going to away games, ticket in, and the utterly yeah. random way that is done at grounds around the country drives me potty. Um, you know, we're supposed to be making it easy for people to just go to a game and it is random. You know, you've got to go to the, sometimes you've got to go to the home end and get a ticket and, and walk around. Sometimes you've got a, you know, Hartley pool, you have to get a QR code, but you have to print the QR code out. I said, what is, what's, why, what is going on here? So I've got to still take the QR code on a piece of paper to have it scanned. I was like, it's, it's, it's madness. And there's been, a, there's been all sorts of weird and wonderful ways that, you know, you can get in, get it, get a ticket for an away match. Um, and cause I, you know, I'm not based in Newport. You've got to do your research and, and work out what's going on. It shouldn't be that complicated. You just shouldn't. I understand if it's a big local derby, it's going to be all ticket and none on the day. But other than that, <laughs> but when it's hard to pull on a Friday night, it should be very, very straightforward <laughs> to, to pitch up and be able to get into the ground. So that's my beef. Sort the ticket out. Well, I, I have no, uh, other beefs i do just want to reiterate a shout out to us because i think yeah we've done 33 episodes this season and counting which is uh astonishing and thank you to everyone who's contributed especially some of the opposition fans who've uh, done the the opposition views those have been really interesting um but i want to kind of broaden it out because i think it's you know what we're doing is i think part of a wider emerging culture of um fan-based content i think the amber army have done some great stuff uh, this season online and on their youtube um and you know there's the 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 official podcast who uh, i know of kind of have access we don't to managers and chairman and i feel like there's these different channels emerging doing slightly different things i think that's that's all to the good so um i hope people enjoy what we do if you do listen and you enjoy it then please consider chucking a few shekels our way to help towards the up- upkeep. But if you can't afford to, and that's understandable with the cost of living crisis, then just recommend us to a friend so that we can keep building the uh, listenership. And please do also consider coming on the podcast next season. We're a nice bunch. We're very uh, receptive to newcomers. and um, We are particularly conscious that it is all uh, blokes, white blokes on at the moment. So, uh, anyone who can broaden our diversity, I think we would welcome as well. But I think that is more or less it for this extended marathon pod. Um, all that is left is for me to thank the panel this evening, Rhys Warren, Ian Street, Jamie Harris, to thank you for listening. As always, you can get in touch uh, through Twitter or Facebook, just search for 1912 Exiles and you will find us. But other than that, stay safe, keep it county, and we will be back with you at some point over the summer. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.